Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Chapter number four, as we continue our journey together through this wonderful gospel story of the life's work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter number 4, as you turn there, I tell you, for all time, man has been in search for the meaning of life. And when God sent Jesus Christ into this world, into the form of man, He sent with Him and in Him many of the answers to those questions that man has asked even before and that man has continued to seek in time. As we come to the fourth chapter of the book of Mark, one of those answers will be answered this morning. As we begin this morning, I want to set the scene of Mark chapter 4. Jesus is entered into a ship that is obviously on the sea, right next to the seashore. As he's entered in, he's standing on the bow of the ship. On that and surrounding that bow, a crowd of people, the Bible describes them as a multitude of people have gathered around. As Jesus is there, He's elevated, and this crowd is gathered around. You can kind of picture this seaside scene, if you will. The crowd is hushed. Jesus begins to lift His voice, begins to teach. And as he raises his voice, he starts off by saying, Behold, there went out a sower to sow. He begins to tell this story and paints a beautiful and wonderful word picture of a man who is sowing seed. And as he is sowing the seed, he describes how some of the seed of the sower fell by what he describes as the wayside. The birds eat the seed. And he says some of the seed fell among the stony ground, some among the thorny ground, and some of the seed that was sown fell on good ground and yielded some good fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100, he says. said it flourished well. And as the people stood and listened to Jesus' teaching, some stood there with a bewildered look as to, what does that mean? Even those that were with him, 
on the ship, his disciples stood there wondering, what is this all about? As Jesus concludes his teaching, the people are beginning to disperse. The disciples begin to ask him, what does it mean? What was that all about? And we pick up our reading in Mark chapter 4 as Jesus begins to explain this parable to his disciples in verse number 14. As he says, The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. The cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. These are they which are sown on good ground, which as hear the word and receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should be, or that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye meet. It shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear, shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God. If a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. And the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, 
when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable he spake not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day, when even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to draw your attention to verse number 40. Where Jesus asked the question after he teaches a parable about sowing seed. About seed that was sown to the wayside, the thorny ground, the stony ground, the good soil. He talks about a candlestick. He talks about the mustard seed, the kingdom of God. A storm arises and asks his disciples, How is it that ye have no faith? How is, what does all of this have to do with each other? How is it that ye have no faith? I want to preach a message entitled to you this morning from Mark chapter 4, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. Let's pray together and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, I thank You so much. God, You have given to us beyond all measure. God, even when we don't understand, Father, we come to You this morning by faith. Because many times we come to You and we don't understand. And God, that is how we come this morning. Because Father, sometimes we sit down and we read Your Word and we, we look at the groupings and we see the verses and, and God, we just look at it and it just does not make much sense. 
So, Father, I pray this morning that by the time we finish, that it would make sense to us. And that by faith, we would come together in a spirit of unity. That we would come in a spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, believing, trusting you for what you would do here at Bailey Road Baptist Church. That we would trust you in all things. God, that you would help us in this. God, we know that faith is not the easiest life to choose. But God, it's the, it's the life that you have given to us to live. So Father, this morning we choose to trust You. Help us through this passage this morning to trust You even more. We pray these things in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. As Jesus was giving the explanation to His disciples here of this parable as He gave it. You can imagine a lack of understanding here. And if and I want you to imagine also within this parable as Jesus gave it. Again, as among other items within the Scripture, you can imagine, if you will, if within this passage, if this whole passage stopped at verse number 9. Now, we didn't take the time this morning to read verse 2 through 9, but that's the parable that Jesus gave to the multitude. And I would dare say if we had to make explanation of the parable that Jesus gave among the sower that sowed among the thorny ground and the stony ground and the wayside and the good ground, that we would not be able to make much sense of what Jesus gave that day by the seaside. We just wouldn't. We would be standing there just like this multitude saying, what was that all about? We would be going in just like the disciples and saying, what did that mean? But thankfully, God chose in His infinite wisdom to preserve for us and give to us the explanation and the meaning behind the parable in which He gave. And I want to give you in this first point this morning the explanation of the parable of the sower that Jesus talked about in these first nine verses and how it is all about now, we know in the book of Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, that the Bible defines for us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what, again, we hope for, we want to happen, we design and we desire for to happen, but yet the, the evidence is there, but yet we just have not seen for facts yet. And so Jesus tells this story, this parable about this sower. Now the sower had seed in his hand. And he says that as he goes out to sow, some of the seed falls out of his pouch or out of his hand, 
by the wayside or just goes and falls by that. His pouch is so overfull, it just happens to overflow by the wayside in places that really was not designed to be planted there, but it fell there nonetheless. And as he says here in verse number 4, it says that as some fell by the wayside, the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Now Jesus gives that explanation in verse number 15, that first, this or verse 14, that the sower soweth the word. So the seed that the sower is sowing is the word of God. Now we know that the word of God has power. We know that the Word of God is precious. We know that the Word of God has a purpose. We know that the Word of God changes lives. But he says here that the Word of God is what is being sown. And in verse number 15, notice what he says. He says, those that are sown by the wayside is where the Word is sown. But notice he says, but that when they have heard. So anybody that hears the Word, it's sown. He said, Satan cometh immediately, immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. You ever hear something and then it just leaves you? I mean, you hear something and it, and it, was, it was there. And then it's just gone. It happens. And then you just forgot it. Oh, it touched you, but then it was like, gone. That ever happened to you? Be honest. Uh, sometimes we're, sometimes our soil is like the wayside. We hear a good thought, we hear a good verse, and Satan comes. No time for it to take root. No time for it to take hold. No time for it to... Do something in our hearts. But Satan snatches it up. Then he says in verse 16, These are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, notice it says, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure it for a time, and afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And when they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So he talks about the wayside soil. That's those that have no faith. Then he talks about the stony soil. It has a short-lived faith, but ultimately the faith failed. Anybody ever tried to do anything in stony soil? It's not easy. When Rachel and I got married, we, we got married when our in between our in between semesters, our last year of Bible college, and uh, when our first role in ministry. We worked at a home for troubled teenagers in the wonderful state of Missouri. Anybody ever live in Missouri? You lived in Missouri? You, you did. Fort Leonard Wood, right? Missouri is like, some of the folks there pronounce it misery. There's a reason for that. 
Uh, it is. It's a miserable place to live. Um, well, one of the tasks that we had, that I had in working with the boys there, was to uh, help the boys learn how to work. Anybody ever noticed that some teenage boys don't have a work ethic anymore? Well, troubled boys definitely don't have a work ethic. So one of the jobs I was tasked with was help the boys uh, build a split rail fence. We had uh, we, the, the property that we lived on uh, was about 180 acres and for uh, about, uh, oh, not quite three quarters of a mile uh, on both sides of the road, we were going to build a uh, split rail fence. Well, in order to do this split rail fence, uh, we had to first dig uh, the post holes and then put the, the, the post, put those in, and then put the split rails up. And so we would go in, and you'd think, no problem. you get some post hole diggers and, and go to town, right? No problem. Except Missouri, at least in the boot hill in Missouri, we were about 30 miles uh, southeast of uh, Poplar Bluff. Anybody know where Poplar Bluff, Missouri is? You know where Poplar Bluff is. Anybody else know where Poplar Bluff is? All right, how many you know where St. Louis, Missouri is? Okay, St. Louis. Go about 90 miles due south of St. Louis. And we were in a town called Patterson, Missouri. No one's ever heard of it. They haven't even heard of it. Okay? We lived on Hog Eye Road. That should explain a little bit more. It was a six-mile dirt road, and we lived right in the middle of Hog Eye Road. Um, and so, and we had to dig these holes. Uh, we did about, we averaged in an afternoon with about uh, seven to eight boys, myself and another adult man, uh, we averaged about two and a half holes in four hours in an afternoon. You say, man, those were lazy boys, right? John, you're probably wondering, what in the world were they doing, right? No. The problem was about every two inches were rocks. It was stony. I mean, And I'm talking rocks. So you'd get down and you'd hit a rock. And then we'd have to get down and dig around, get the rock out, go down a little bit more, get the rock out. And it was just a process. It was stony. And talking about just getting a post dug, let alone try to grow something. Digging a garden? It didn't matter what you were doing, whether you were digging something, trying to dig a garden. It just wasn't about, it was, there were rocks everywhere. Now you could grow a garden, but you'd have to get in and you'd have to get rid of all of the rocks. Now listen, Jesus says, they got some, some seed to grow, but it didn't last very long because in this stony ground, it was just short-lived. Why? Because of the rocks. They ultimately heard the word. And notice, notice verse 16. They received it with gladness. But they had no root in themselves because they endured for a time. But afterward, notice this, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And I can remember, seriously, I can remember some of those boys, we'd get a new boy in and we'd put him on fence detail 
and they'd go in and they'd hit their first rock, and they were devastated. They didn't want to go any further. And they thought, oh, I can dig this hole. And it was always fun for us. And it was always fun for the boys that had labored and been through, and they knew how to dig that hole. And they knew you weren't going to get through it in a day. But they'd get discouraged. And you know, it was something, though, when we would get through, and we were able to go through and see and drive in and see that split rail fence when it was all finished after a long time of working on that. Because it had meant something more. But it was discouraging at times. And it gets discouraging in the Christian life sometimes when that soil that comes in our life can be stony. But if we leave the stones in, our faith isn't going to grow. But we have to remove the stones out of our lives to get rid of it, to get rid of those stones. But he says they're immediately offended. But then we have the thorny ground. It's where they have the misplaced faith. And I'm convinced that this is where many Christians live today. Many Christians live in this thorny, soiled ground. Notice. These are they which sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Unfruitful. Because it's choked, notice, by the cares of this world. But then in verse 20 it says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. The good ground hath a fruitful faith and grew abundantly. You know what I have found even on a good ground? A good ground has to be worked. A good ground has to be weeded. A good ground has to be worked and, and, and weeded and has to be watched and has to be protected and has to be uh, gone through in order for that fruit to grow. It's not just sow the seed and watch. It has to be worked. And I'm convinced this morning that in our Christian life that it's about faith. And in whatever the soil is, it's going to have to be worked. It's going to have to be worked and prepared and gotten to the place where it is a good soil. I don't know what the preparation of your heart is this morning. But I can promise you this, it's not going to get anywhere without faith. It's not going to get anywhere without faith. The explanation of this parable here this morning is the fact that it is all about faith. When Jesus continues here into verse number 21, I want you to see the second point this morning as He goes past this explanation of the parable, the fact that it's all about faith. I want you to see the, exp the expectation of a planting is all about faith. The expectation of a planting is all about faith. 
You take somebody, he says in verse number 21, he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Now think about that. That's a simple question. But what he's asking is, is what is the purpose of a candle? What's the purpose of a candle? Okay, Brother Bruce, do me a favor. You're closest. Can you cut the lights off for me? I appreciate that. Yeah, just cut them all the way off. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Because, I mean, look, that, whew, thank you. I don't know what that saved us, but that's saving us something. Okay, perfect. Now look at this. Look at, look at that verse again. Verse 21. What do you mean you can't see it? Hold on a second. Can you see verse 21? How many of you can't see verse 21? How many of you can see me? That's all you need. Okay, Brother Bruce, give me the lights, please. Now look at that. Why do we turn the lights back? Why do we turn the lights on? Because the purpose of the lights is to see. We want to be able to see, so we turn lights on. Now isn't that amazing? Now here's what's amazing to me. Right now my eyes are playing tricks on me. It was really bright back there where Brother John is. Now it's a little dark. That's weird. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. Uh, but it's darker now. It's, I'm, woo, that's adjusting. Okay. But the purpose of the lights are to see. And so Jesus is saying, what's the purpose of the lights? The lights are to help you see. You don't just bring a candle in and hide it under the bed. No, you bring the candle in to use it. You put it on the candlestick. You turn the lights on. He says, verse 22, he says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Ah, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Now, check this out. Here's what he's saying. So first, he says, faith is about choosing to trust what can't be seen. Do what? He says, faith is about choosing to trust what can't be seen. This is what he says here in verse number 24. He says, when ye take heed to that which ye hear. So he said, you're hearing some things. He says, I'm teaching something, and you're hearing it, and I want you to take heed to it. But here's what, here's what this means. He says, with what measure ye meet. Now that word meet simply means measure. Okay, so he says you need to be careful and you need to take heed with what you're measuring with. Aha, uh -huh. what are you measuring with? You need to make sure you're measuring with the right thing. What are you measuring with? He said because it's going to be measured to you 
and unto you that hear it shall be more given. Look at verse 25. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and to him that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Faith is about choosing to trust what can't be seen. So he says the candle is to be brought in, to be put on a candlestick, so you can see. He says, I'm teaching so that you can have faith in what you're hearing. He says, but you can't understand it. He says, but I'm showing it to you. You must trust. You have to measure it, and you have to trust it. But you can't see it. You can't always understand it. And then he says in verse 26, he says, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. He said, this is like the kingdom of God. And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. Now, how many, how many gardeners or, or planters even any many farmers here do we have? Good, good. I'm not a big gardener. You want to know why? Because I have no idea how it works. I have no idea. I mean, you take this little seed, you put it in the ground, and it grows. I'm amazed by it, quite honestly. I have no idea how it works. We, we planted a garden several years ago, and uh, it, it was a relatively good, I mean, it was a good-sized garden to me. It was a little over a half acre, and we had, we had a little bit of everything. We had corn, and, uh, black-eyed peas, and uh, some, I, I don't even know, I don't even know what all we had. Uh, we had all kinds of stuff, zucchini, uh, again, I don't know what all we had. Uh, but I, I was amazed by the corn, most of all. Corn grows tall, and it grows pretty fast. But you know what I found to be the most interesting? In the six rows of corn that we grew, it did not all grow to be the same height. Some grew to be over six feet tall. Most of it grew to be over seven feet tall. I mean, it was some good corn. But do you know some of that corn? It didn't grow to be two feet tall. Some of that corn didn't even give us one ear of corn. It didn't. Now I want somebody to explain that to me. You can't. Same soil, same sunshine, same water, same fertilizer. Same seed, same brand of corn, not two feet tall. Didn't yield an ear of corn. I, I, I don't get it. But others, I mean, right next to it, seven feet tall. I wish I could explain it. I, I, asked, I asked a man that had been gardening 
his entire life. I mean, he started in a garden when he was four years old. His dad had him in the garden working. He was, I think, 84 at the time. I said, Brother Clarence, I said, what's happened to this corn? And he said, just happens. Because that's, we call that gardening, son. What do you mean we call that gardening? He said, it's called gardening. I said, okay. Well, no, we call that faith. What Jesus is saying here, He's saying the kingdom of God is just like that. He said, you go to sleep and you wake up and you watch by faith. You watch. Faith is about choosing to trust what can't be seen. It's about sowing and reaping. Notice verse 28. He says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But, check this out, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Listen, faith is about sowing and reaping. There is work and reward. The expectation of a planting is all about faith. You see, I go in and I, and I plant expecting something. I mean, if I plant something, what am I expecting? Whatever it is I planted. Who plants expecting nothing? Anyone? Seriously? Well, I mean, I understand that, but, but you still have hopes of something. Eh, I want something. There's a hope somewhere. It's maybe not much hope, but, but I have something. I have to work it. There's that faith, that expectation. I'm planting this seed of corn, expecting corn to grow. I wonder in your spiritual life, where is your faith? I asked you last week, and I ask you again this week. I may continue to ask for weeks to come, but what did you expect this morning? When you came to church, what, did you, what are you expecting from God? What are you expecting? Are you expecting to hear? Are you expecting to hear from God today? What are you planting? Are you coming in to water? To get some sunshine? Put some fertilizer on to reap some harvest? What's the expectation of today from God? What's the work you're putting in? Is the fruit ready? In verse 30 he says, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? 
Listen, faith in God is about getting more than what we started with. In verse 31, Jesus compares the grain of a mustard seed. He said, when it is sown in the earth, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, He spake not unto them. When they were alone, He expounded all things to His disciples. Listen, faith in God is about getting more than you started with. You ever notice that? With every seed of faith, the yield is always greater. It doesn't matter what comes forth from it. It's always greater. You ever notice it? Take the seed. If it's an apple seed, it's greater. Cherry seed, it's greater. Corn seed, mustard seed. It doesn't matter. It's always greater. You take a seed that will fit in the palm of your hand that oftentimes will fit on the tip of your finger. You plant it. and You watch it grow. When it comes to full fruit, it won't fit in the palm of your hand. Oftentimes, it may not even fit in the bushel that you carry in a basket. Why? Because the fruit is greater. It's the same with God. It's the same with God. What is the faith of your life? What is the seed of His Word growing in you? What is the expectation of a planting? It's all about faith. I wonder this morning, what's the examination of your faith during a peril? Number three, what is the examination of your faith during a peril? Notice in verse 35 it says, the same day. Now when we come to verse 35, other than the fact that they're sitting by the seaside, and Jesus is teaching from the bow of a ship, when we get to verse number 35, it doesn't really make much sense that all of this is connected. But yet it is. So the day is over and the evening has come. And Jesus says to him, let us pass over to the other side. Jesus said, and then it says in verse 36, And when they had sent them away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. Sleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? 
and they feared exceedingly. They said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The examination of their faith during apparel. So Jesus just finished teaching them, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. He says, plant the seed of faith. Live in faith. Let your faith grow. All right, fellas, let's go to the other side. Send the multitude away. They're rowing. They're going. Jesus, he's like, all right, I'm going to bed. Let me know when we get there. He goes into the hinder part of the ship. He's asleep. Now, I don't know if anybody else had the rule in their house, but when I was growing up, like number one rule Saturday morning was do not, under any circumstance, wake up dad. Anybody have that rule at home? Okay, like don't wake up dad. That's the number one rule. You, you, you either bleeding or dying. And if you're not one of those two things, if you wake up, dad is not going to be a good day. So I don't know which one of the disciples was tasked to go wake up Jesus, but they went under the guidelines of, we're dying. Right? They said, we're dying. Somebody go get Jesus. We've got, we need him. Hello, somebody get Jesus. So they go the storm is there. Now, here's the other thing we have to consider. These were, I mean, what did the disciples do for a living? They were fishermen. They had been on the sea before. They had probably been on the sea before in a storm. If the disciples were afraid, it wasn't just raining. Everybody with me? This was a serious storm. It wasn't just a little storm. Big storm, big trouble, disciples afraid. They go to Jesus and they said, don't you care that we're dying? How can you be sleeping right now? Jesus doesn't even address them. He just comes out. Peace be still. Now, I don't know if you realize how awesome that is. Do you get how awesome that is? Master, care us not that we perish? These experienced fishermen, scared for their lives, the King of kings and Lord of lords walks out and says three words, peace, be still. And the wind said, that sounded like God. And the sea said, yes, sir. Peace, be still. Now, I picture this. I don't know about you, this is just me. I stand to be corrected, I have no idea. But I picture Jesus coming out saying, 
peace be still. The wind stopping. The sea to a calm. Him looking at the disciples and saying, How is it? She have no faith. And him turning around, walking back, and going back to sleep. And that's not in Scripture here. That's just how I picture it. And the disciples being left there with, Whoa. What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Did you catch that? I mean, they sent the multitude away. The storm came. The master's asleep. He rebukes the wind and the sea. But his main question is, we just talked about faith. How is it that ye have no faith? Let me me rephrase that. How is it it that the word that Jesus had just spoken on the seaside, the word that was sown on the seaside, fell by the wayside. You ever consider that? Because Jesus said, how is it that you have no faith? Not, how is it that you have little faith? He said, how is it that you have no faith? Zero, none, not a zilch. Wayside. They weren't even stony ground. They were wayside. Stayed for a little while. There was no fruit. How is it that they had no faith? You see, there was one indicator. There was one indicator in all of this. Because Jesus said, very beginning of all of this to the disciples let us pass over to the other side it was all they needed it's all they needed Let us pass over to the other side. Careth not that we perish? Guess what? They weren't going to perish. They were going to make it to the other side. You see, the peril that happened, the storm that came up, was an examination of faith. That was the examination. They failed. How is it that 
she have no faith. Master, carest not that we perish? Carest not that we perish? Oh, please be still. How is it? What he wanted to know was, I just taught you all about faith. Because the Christian life, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian life is all about faith. All of it. The entire thing. It's all about faith. What seed are you planting? What are you expecting to grow in it and from it? Yes, the perils are going to come. The storms are going to rise. But Jesus has promised that we'll pass through to the other side. We will make it. Fruit will still grow. Listen, I want to remind you that often, often, often in our life, Really? As a matter of fact, I think really required. Rain and storms are required in our life for fruit to grow. I know we've been we've been spoiled with modern conveniences, like going and turning the faucet on. We say, oh, oh it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't rain. We'll just, we'll just water the garden. Anybody ever heard of a thing called a drought? We don't get rain. We don't get a storm. We'll only be able to turn the faucet on for so long. We need the storms for the fruit to grow. We need the storms for our faith to grow. I'm not, I don't like a, a storm that's devastating. I, I really don't, but at the same time, sometimes they're necessary in our lives. They're necessary for our faith in God grow. I tell you, I, I like to watch a good thunderstorm, though, in the safe confines of my home. Seriously. I mean, it's, they're neat. I like to, I, better yet, I like to watch them on YouTube. They're fascinating. But I will tell you, I don't like to watch them while I'm driving down the interstate in the midst of them. I don't like them then. But you know what? Sometimes they're there. And that's when faith must step in. Storms are going to come, folks. We must trust the mighty hand of God 
there are times when we will cry out and say, Master, care us not that we perish. And He so lovingly and graciously will step in and say, Peace be still. And even the wind and the sea will obey Him. Because, well, He's God. He's God. I have no idea where you are at in your life today. I don't know what peril you're in. I don't know how bad the storm is raging in your life. But I do know this. Christian life is all about faith. It's all about trusting Him. Whether He's choosing to say, peace be still, or whether He is choosing to say, it's okay, I'm right here with you. Let's go to the other side. Whatever it may be, I know that there is fruit for the faithful. Do not give up. Do not quit. Do not give in. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. Be faithful. Walk with Him. Keep sowing in His Word. Walk with Him. Stay with Him. It's worth it. It's worth it. The fruit is amazing. It's delicious. He's worth it. Every head bowed, every eye closed.